Stephen, you're 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 a big guy. I'm curious uh, if you could just kind of speak. What do you mean to, by big, mate? You're very large. Are you saying I'm fit? <laughs> no, never. Bloody wanker! Watch yourself. Yeah, NBA Straya, how are you going? It is Wednesday, hump day, May 11. It's gonna be May. I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer, Shum Times, here giving you the lowdown on all the ins and outs of the uh, NBA in Larry Armour Studios, chilling out. What am I doing? Chilling, not illing. Don't need that penicillin. Feeling good. You know, week after the cocoa, she's all right. Uh, anyway, blowout Wednesday is today. <laughs> it was underdog Wednesday on yesterday's show, apparently, but uh, we're the exact opposite way. Anyway, uh, we've got two game fives to talk about today. Two blowouts. What are you going to do? Uh, we'll talk about those in the NBA trade game wraps with That's Not an Eye Mate. No, mate, spot of the night. Better than Lonzo Ball. We've got some awesome yeah nars, though. And uh, the unpopular opinion of the day, Outback Takeouts, where we're serving up Flame Grill Take. And there's a little bit about the Lakers and the Spurs and, like, the potential for sales, etc. You're like, what is going on here? And the Blazers have got their GM. So we'll talk about that. We've got the Australian Player Watch. We've got a great moment in NBA Australia stat history. It's a classic. And uh, we've got some game previews and picks for tomorrow's other Game 5s. You little ripper. So that should be good. Uh, and I think we'll leave it at that as well because my uh, throat's still a bit sore. So uh, we'll leave the skit till tomorrow. And off we go. So let's get stuck in. Episode 813 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better. Or the chuck attack if you're Kenny the Jet Smith. Good to see uh, Chuck basically get to the, the board at the same time as him. Photo finish. Enjoyed that and inside the NBA today. Right. The big news today. No Jar Morant. That's right. We're going to talk about this in uh, the Daily Whip Around. That's how we start every show. No Jar Morant for tomorrow for the playoffs. The playoffs maybe as well uh, with a bone bruise in his knee. Which, now, watching the Jordan Poole footage again, it makes it a bit fucky where you're like, ah, I'm pretty sure Jordan Poole, with like his kind of hand on his knee, didn't cause a bone bruise. As a non-medical doctor. (laughs) Ah, they call me Dr. Love. Ah, no, I just don't. See how Poole's uh, addendum, I guess, on that play could have actually caused the bone bruise. What it may have done is that we saw earlier in the game the Jarmoran came up limping and the pool sort of slap at his knee may have exacerbated it more than anything else. But uh, a bone bruise in his knee, the Grizzlies are like, yeah, look, he's going to be doubtful for the rest of the playoffs. You're like, okay, does that mean game by game? Does that mean he's out for the next three to four weeks and we just don't know when he might come back? Like, what is happening? But there you go. So, pretty weird, a bit shit. 
Uh, you get that on the big jobs, obviously, but here we are. And uh, just a bit of a strange one. And it sucks because having Jar on the big stage against Golden State was absolutely fucking electric. Those first couple of games were great. You love to see it. Anyway, uh, there was also some sad news today. Bob Lanier passed away, 73 years old, uh, played for a million years for the Bucks, the Pistons, and uh, was also like basically a big league office kind of guy as well. He's like, uh, what was he, like the NBA uh, Players Association president, his assistant to a couple of commissioners, did a lot of other stuff as well. So amazing stuff. What a career. It's a bit sad. So, And also, I mentioned the, I don't think I actually mentioned this one yesterday, but Adrian Payne, former Wolves uh, star, was shot and killed. Oh, we're trying to prevent a domestic dispute uh, a couple of days ago, which fucking sucks. So throws up for his family, man. I don't know. Maybe having guns everywhere is not a great idea. Still just saying. Uh, Chris Paul and his mum. Uh, it was said today on TNT, Kenny the Jet Smith was saying that Chris Paul's mother, his mum, uh, Robin, reached out to tell him what had happened with the young Dallas fan who got booted from uh, the Mavs the other day. <laughs> he said that the fan was obviously inebriated and kept tapping her on the shoulder and wishing her happy Mother's Day even after she politely asked him to stop. I, for one, am absolutely astounded that this got taken uh, to the point where the dude's getting booted and Chris Paul's trying to fight some 17-year-old, but here we are. Also, I'd love to hear what uh, that family reckon actually happened. And I mean, it's just a weird, fucky situation, right? Like, they put hands on my family, man. My kids hate it. It's like, yeah, you got some shit-faced kid behind you, maybe, allegedly, causing fucking havoc. It might be a bit annoying. And uh, what else? The other bits of news today. San Antonio, they're not moving. <laughs> this is pretty weird. Um, so I don't know. It seems like the fact that the Spurs might try to play some sh- uh, games in Austin has Spurs fans up in arms. So uh, the owner, Peter Holt, had to go to the lengths of releasing a statement and say, Hey, man. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, I reassure you that the Spurs are in San Antonio to stay, he said. Uh, because they were thinking about playing some games down in Austin, which is not very far from San Antonio, by the way. Like, just down the road, literally. Like, I remember driving out of San Antonio going, well, Austin's that way. You turn, like, you go over a big fucking hill, and you're like, ah, well, there's Austin off off in the distance. This is sick. Uh, Texas is like that, though. All the fucking cities are massive. Like, not massive population-wise, but they're sprawling. They're big, sprawling cities. So it feels like, especially like when they're vaguely close to each other, that they sort of just bleed into one another. But either way, uh, the Spurs came out and said, nah, look, we're not moving. And it's like, all right, cool, bro. And uh, weirdly enough, Jeannie Buss had to come out and say that the Lakers aren't for sale. (laughs) Where it's like, would you ever consider selling the Lakers? It's like, motherfucker, we won a title two years ago. What are you talking about? And uh, so Jeannie had to say, in terms of selling the team, I'm not going anywhere. This is exactly what my dad asked me to do. The team is not for sale. Uh, Basically, this was something that was important to him, that he wanted me to keep the Lakers in the family. I like to say my dad had his children, but the Lakers were his baby, and he put me in charge of the baby, and I'll make sure that the baby thrives. Man, Lakers, like reporters, just a guy, I don't know. Things are a bit boring right now. Let's, uh, what do you reckon, Jenny? You want to sell it? (laughs) What the fuck? Uh, other news. 
Blues, uh, Portland are keeping uh, Joe Cronin as their general manager, uh, promoting him to from interim general manager to uh, actual general manager. Four-year contract, takes over when they've got a uh, top 10 pick, $21 million trade exception from all of his amazing moves. I'm going to talk about that later. And uh, he's got the idea he's going to extend Anthony Simons, maybe Nassie Little, maybe even Dame. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been running it since they shit can Neil O'Shea. So we'll see what happens. And uh, speaking of Portland, Zachy Cakes Adam Levine. Old Zach Levine out there. So there's an uh, interesting moment with uh, Brian Windhorst saying that the the vibe around the NBA was that Zachy Cakes Adam Levine was off the market. And now they're kind of like, ah, geez, I don't know. Do we need to keep him? And the Trailblazers have popped up as a potential landing spot. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Is it, though? <laughs> it is if you're a Bulls fan. Right, uh, let's get into today's game wraps. Let's fly through today's episode because these are fucking boring games. Right, let's do it. Game wraps, game wraps, game wraps, game wraps, game wraps, game wraps, game wraps. That's right, game wraps. Miami kicked the fuck out of Philly 1 in game five. No big booty Kyle Lowry, no problems. Miami instantly looks hungrier, ironically, uh, quicker. <laughs> but I don't know. It's also one of those things where Kyle Lowry, an injured Kyle Lowry, is a detriment to your team. Not having him out there very clearly makes them better and also makes the hierarchy and the pecking order very fucking clear. Uh, but also, are we going to pretend that Philly going to Miami being bad is a surprise? Like... Let's not pretend that James Harden slept last night, right? <laughs> Bags under his eyes, braids all akimbo. Uh, but yeah, you could tell from the get-go, right? Like Butler was massive in the first quarter. They smashed him in the first quarter. It was like they're up 12 after the first. And there was like a weird stretch at the start of the second quarter where like Embiid's on the bench. They got the lead down to about eight. And they're like, uh, we'll play Harden, we'll play Maxi, we'll play Shake, we'll play basketball Paul Reed, and we'll play Embiid after that. And uh, it didn't go great. So, And then it got worse because Embiid, after diving into the crowd to go get a loose ball, hurts his back. After this, it's like, what, halfway through the second quarter? Dwayne, dead man, misses a shot, uh, grabs the rebound. Deadman sort of like slaps at the ball and slaps it into Embiid's face. All ball! Like into his head. And Embiid like sort of drops the ball, just like, what the fuck? And just his face is just... All in pain, just not happy. And uh, I'll tell you what, it didn't get better from <laughs> there for the Sixers at all. Uh, I mean, early on in the half, like Harrison Green had a couple of threes each. There was like an 8-2 run at the end of the second quarter by the Sixers to get it down to, uh, I think it was only 12 at the half. And you're like, oh, they might be still in. Nope. Nope. Third was getting a little bit out of control. The Sixers decided to throw Embiid the ball a bunch of times. And Maxi hit a three just before the end of the quarter. And like, here we go. That three cut it to a 15-point game. The Heat's D had just completely stifled everything that the Sixers wanted to do. And I think I've mentioned the Sixers' fits and spurts offense before, right? And in game four, Harden stepping up in uh, the second and fourth quarters was enough to override that. Unfortunately, when you've got no sleep hung over James Harden playing in Miami, he decides to just completely fucking no-show in a big game again. And here we are. So you can't override the fits and spurts Doc Rivers Philly offense with Harden going, all right, we'll kick this into gear. 
if he's like sitting there going, fuck, I need a drink. Oh, I just need some water, man. <laughs> Anyone got any wings? Fuck. Just need something to send him to the stomach. Um, the weird part was, and this is going to be the weird thing to come out of this entire game, was that, oh, Joel Embiid didn't win the MVP, and he's sad. He's sad that he didn't win the MVP, and that's why he was bad. Which is probably one of the dumbest takes you'll ever hear. Uh, and I didn't like that, like, Chuck and Shaq, uh, I think at halftime, like, yo, he came out like, without an, any energy. It's like, the dude's probably barely fucking slept for, like, the last week because his face is busted up. He's got a broken fucking hand. And you're like, oh, his feelings are hurt from not winning the MVP. It must be on his mind. That's why he doesn't have the energy. Fucking hell. It might be just the three injuries he's carrying and the weight of a team that he's carrying on his shoulders at the same time. But anyway, uh, the fourth quarter, Tyler Hero remembered how to score and then it just got real bad for Philly real quick. Boom. They were down 29. (laughs) Tyler Hero hadn't hit a shot. He's like, oh, fuck. Wait a minute. Boom. In it goes. 12-zip run in the... uh, It was like 18-4 to to start the fourth quarter and this game was over. Um, no one in Philly could buy a bucket and pack her up, boys. We're going back to the city of brotherly love. Uh, Embiid was 17-5. and five. He shot 7-12. It was a minus 29. Only got to the free throw line three times, which tells the story. Um, similar vibes for Harden, right? 14-6-4. So he has four assists. He has four turnovers. Just some of his turnovers were just like, I'm so tired. I'm, Dude, I might chuck my guts up right now. Like, kind of <laughs> like, I've seen more energy from like, me playing hungover on like a Saturday morning back when I could still lift my fucking arm above my shoulder, right? And uh, it was brutal and pretty embarrassing if you're James Harden because everyone goes out to bat for him after a pretty amazing sort of turnaround in uh, game four and you're like, here we go. See old James Harden. Nope, the same James Harden. 14-6-4. 5 of 13 shooting. Only three free throw attempts. Two or three at the line. Two or six from downtown. Brutal. And, uh, talking after game four about like what does Harden need to be for this Sixers team and I was like look if he can just hit some fucking shots and just lean on that outside shooting if he's not going to be able to beat people to the bucket and finish around the hoop as well then at least he's got his stroke now if he's not hitting threes I mean he's basically an extremely extremely well paid version of I don't know (laughs) Malcolm Brogdon without the defense Jesus, it's brutal. Anyway, uh, Maxi had a gross night too. Two of ten for him. No room to operate. Nine points on two of ten shooting. Tobias Harris. Hey, Tobias, everyone else is struggling. Can you go and get us 30? You got it, boss. 12 points coming right up. Tobias, I said 30. You got it, boss. Five of 14 shooting. (sighs) Tobias Harris. Good job, Sixers, choosing him over uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, anyway, Danny Green hit a couple of th- uh, threes, as mentioned in the second quarter. Nothing else. Six points for him. The bench was even worse. Niang, 0 of 5. Shake got some garbage run. Matty T hit a three you late, but uh, this was not good. Uh, the Heat, they shot well over 50% all game. Ended up at 53%. 13 and 33 from downtown. Butler ends up with a 23-9 and 6 game. Goes 9 of 15 from the floor. 2 of 4 on threes. And you're like, Jimmy Butler is not a three-point shooter. We all know that. In this series, gone like, well, fuck it. I'll just shoot some threes, and then maybe they'll go in. And some of them have. Struce had 19 and 10. He was awesome. 4 of 10 from downtown. And my man, Gabe Vincent, 5 of 7 shooting, 15 points. 
Bam had 12 and 6, and uh, PJ Tucker. So without Big Buddha Carl Larry out there, so you obviously see Struess and Gabe Vincent getting much more of a green light and actually hitting shots. Again, role players at home, what do you expect? But PJ Tucker also stepped up. He had 10 points and 7 assists to go with his 4 rebounds. He goes 2-2 two two on 3s as well. Pretty handy. Victor Oladipo at 13. Shot 5 of 10. You need to see that. 3 steals from him as well. There goes my Tyler Hero at 10. Uh, Deadman and Caleb Martin were a bit brutal. They went 1-5 of five each. But either way, Miami up 3-2. Oh, the series days is started. You someone's lost at home. Well, now it's a fucking knockout game in Game 6. It's an elimination game. I think this series may have started. I'm just saying. Anyway, Miami up 3-2, going back to Philly. And Philly got to be a bit nervous. Having wrested back control of this series from the Heat, they turned back into a giant fucking spud. The same spud we saw in games one and two. So it's a bit of a worry. And then the same thing happened in the second game. Phoenix 108, Dallas 80. A great first half. The Mavs were right there, shooting the shit out of it, knocking in a million threes. And then they fell off a cliff. Yeah. It wasn't great, was it? What a horrible showing. They started 6-12 from downtown, then went 1-14 of 14 after that. Um, but there was like a little bit of a turning point right at the end of the second quarter where Bridges, I think Reggie Bullock missed like three shots. He had two right there in the paint, then he misses a three. And the Suns drew it at 40, like with Booker just fucking bringing down the house to tie it up with a dunk. Uh, like, CP3 hit, like, an end-of-the-shot-clock jumper in Bullock's face right at the end of the quarter as well, and the Suns led by three. You're like, what the fuck just happened? The Mavs got 18 from Luka. It did look like he was sort of moving through molasses at times, and then in the third quarter, it just devolved once more into, weirdly enough, it's the same thing that happened to the Sixers. They turned into the worst versions of themselves. The Sixers, no ball movement. In games one and two, they didn't have Embiid. Today, they had Embiid. And they couldn't really make him the focal point of their offense. And then today with the Mavs, there was too much of a focal point on Luka Doncic. And they went exactly away from them what had made them so successful in games three and, game three and four. Which was, I don't know, moving the fucking ball! Seriously, it was incredible. So a 17-zip run at the start of the third quarter. It was 50-51 to 51 after the... Uh, so halftime happens, there's a couple of buckets, they trade him. It's 50-51. Suns lead. Then it was 50 to 68. <laughs> and the game was over. It was incredible. Shamit and Biombo out there instead of Campaign and uh, McGee. And Monty Williams just, you know, pressed a couple of little buttons. Like Shamit and Biombo, they weren't like light burning their house down on offense or anything. But uh, their positioning on D, their willingness to move the ball and just like create space for others made a huge difference. Because Cam Johnson and Bridges then sort of woke up on offense, did a couple of little things. And the Mavs, I mean, Brunson was the only Mav who fucking did anything. Like, it was crazy. So, the 17-zip run, it was just turnover after turnover. The Mavs couldn't buy a bucket. And you got to the end of the quarter, and you're like, oh, okay, well, it's a 22-point lead now. <laughs> they got outscored by 19 in the quarter. It was a 33-14 to 14 quarter. The Mavs just, through sheer offensive ineptitude, they had 10 turnovers in the quarter. Like, it was crazy. They shot 6 of 16. It was brutal. And it didn't help that Dinwiddie couldn't buy a fucking bucket. Reggie, I mean, I mentioned Reggie Bullock going, missing three shots in a row. He ends up 0 of 5 there. 1 of 5 for Kleber at that point, too. I think the killer, though, was the transition D of Dallas. And just the focus just wasn't there. 
They gave up 18 points off those 10 turnovers in that quarter, and the game was over. The craziest part I found was that I think at the th- end of three quarters, the Suns had 18 assists and six turnovers. The Mavs had seven assists for the entire game at that point. Seven! And they had 16 turnovers. That is absolute fucking chaos. And then they actually sort of started trading buckets with the Suns at the, you know, throughout the fourth quarter. You get halfway through the fourth quarter and they're still down 19 because their defense just disappeared. Uh, the Suns squeezed a life out of them. They were showing harder on Brunson. They made Luca's life way more difficult. He had zero space with it to work. And, like, it was just kind of strange. Like, the fact that they had still had only seven assists total six minutes ago in the fourth quarter, I mean after what we saw in games three and four, is fucking abysmal. Moving the ball and, again, finding the shooters in space, hitting the shots. I mean, obviously it helps when you're hitting shots because that's an actual assist, but, I mean, it also speaks to what you're doing in the paint because not every assist should be one of your three-point shots because, as mentioned, they go one of 14 from downtown after starting six of 12. But you should also be having, you know, little drop-off passes in the paint. You've seen, like, little... Uh, Jalen Brunson drives leading to like little Maxi Kleber handoffs and stuff like that. Luca, the same sort of vibe. And it just wasn't there at all. So the sounds, it's a 36 point turnaround. The Mavs are up eight and like, you're like, holy shit, we've just got beaten by 28 points. So not ideal. I mean, if you're a Mavs fan, oh, actually I ended up being 110.80. How did I miss the last two points? That's fucking crazy. 110. <laughs> what happened there? Was there like a bucket right at the end that I completely missed? Anyway, uh, 110.80. So, Jesus, that makes it even worse. So 38 points in around. Um, so the Mavs end up shooting 8 of 32 from downtown, 30% from the floor, 28 and 11 for Luka, but he shot 10 of 23, 2 of 8 from 3. The efficiency has just dropped through the floor in some of these losses, and it's because he holds the ball too long. It's like... I don't know what it is about playing on the road. And he's like, oh, God, I'm going to make sure I like, dribble, 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 dribble. Fuck, fuck, two seconds. Ah, you shoot it. It's like, that's not really great offense. I'm just saying, Luca Brunson, 21 points. He shot 9 of 17, but 0 of 1 on threes. And uh, Brunson is just that much more dangerous when he's got a couple of threes under his belt just to make everybody pay attention. Bertans was literally the only other Mav in double figures. And uh, when that's happening, you're in trouble. Three or four from downtown for him. Good on you. The... Uh, Old uh, stupid Amish beard, Davis Bertans, looking like uh, Moses uh, Shroop. But either way, eight points for Dorian Finney-Smith, two of five on threes. He was uh, he missed a couple, and he's just like, it's like his confidence just wavered. And you're like, Dorian, mate, you're good at basketball. You can be good on the road as well. Uh, the big problem, though, as mentioned, the fact that Dinwiddie goes 0 of 3 for two points, 0 of 5 for Reggie Bullock, and 1 of 5 for Kleber. Mark Shikleber, hello. If those guys aren't hitting any shot, literally, they went, what's that? One of not. <laughs> One of, what's that? Fucking hell. One of 13 between them. Good maths, Jimmy, off the top of your head. I mean, yeah, you're not going to win that game. So they didn't. And uh, the Suns, 12-32 from downtown, 28 assists to nine total. That is pretty incredible. Booker had 28 and 70. was really good. 20 and nine for Aiton. And the big thing for the Suns, like Aiton and Bridges showing up on the offensive end made a big difference. Cam Johnson also dropping in 14 was handy. 7 points, 10 assists for CP3. 14 points and 4 steals for Michael Bridges. Sham, wow. I mentioned him sort of just helping. I mean, he just sort of keeps you a little bit honest, right? He tried to dunk as well at one point, which is a bit nuts. But 8 points for Sham, wow. Boom. Suns go up 3-2. 
We're going back to Dallas. Bit weird. Momentum. It really does feel like the Suns are sitting there going, all right, we've figured out what we can do again. We'll stymie them and we'll win game six. What do you reckon? So let's do an NBA Australia pre-performance of the night. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Uh, Devin Booker, just totally Carly Ma Dallas. Um, like really just reached into their fucking chest, ripped out their heart early on. And because like after Dallas got up, Booker with that dunk to tie it at 40-40, like they just never looked back and absolutely kicked the shit out of them from there, right? Like the third quarter itself, he sort of is always lurking and he's probably at his best when he's out there having a game where he drops in 28, but obviously hits a couple of threes. It makes such a big difference when Booker's got a couple of threes as well. Uh, because everybody's like, all right, well, fuck, we let him step into a couple of threes. Now we're in trouble. And they're paying a little bit more attention to him that way, and off they go. The crazy part is, that third quarter, I mentioned the the Mavs scored 14 points. Literally, Doncic, Luka, and fucking Brunson are the only ones to score in that entire third quarter. Meanwhile, Booker has 12. Nearly outscores the Mavs by himself in the third quarter. And they run away with the win. But Booker was just so pivotal. So in that third quarter, he went 3 of 5 from downtown. He shoots 4 of 8. He was absolutely amazing. He was a plus 19 for the quarter. Played literally all 12 minutes. Just absolutely put the game beyond the reach of the Mavs. And that's why he came away with the NBA Australia pre-performance of the night. Because that was a superstar turn. That was, I'm the best player on the best team in the NBA right now. Fuck you. Watch this. Like, it's cool that Luke is going to do his little dance, 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 dance. Oh, look at this. I'm going to shoot really slow. Booker's like, I'm just going to fucking come in and kick your ass, take your names. What do you reckon? 11 to 20 from the floor, 3 to 7 from deep, 2 assists, 2 steals. Devin Booker. That's a fucking knife. Spot of the night. Spud, 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 Spot of the night. George Niang, friend of the show. 15 minutes, he went 0 of 5. Ah, oh, the minivan. Tough one. Uh, especially after, what, in game one, he went 0 of 7. Yeesh. I just don't think George likes Miami. Do you reckon he was out with uh, James Harden last night? Like, James Harden's like, hey, uh, George! George! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you. That's right, I'm talking to you. And George's like, me? Fuck, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, got us a table uh, at One Oak. We're going. He's like, fucking sweet! Popping bottles with James Harden all night. 0 of 5, all from 3, brutal sputting. But of course, I mentioned this uh, on Twitter, I think, Spencer Dinwiddie and sniper alert Reggie Bullock not hitting a shot between them is, yeah, you're going to lose that game. But Spencer Dinwiddie in particular, like in a big moment, in a big game, in a big series where your team really needs you to stand up, to go out there and go 0 of 3 and 0 of 2 from downtown with one rebound, one assist and three turnovers? I mean, it's not Dylan Brooks territory, But it's also like, well, we've lost this game. (laughs) Like the Dylan Brooks territory for a Hall of Fame induction in the shitty Louvre uh, means your team actually has to be ahead. You come in and completely submarine it and literally kick a ball into the stand. Dinwiddie didn't get that far, but wow. Between the two of them, Bullock leaving late and uh, sort of coming back was... uh, Bit of a, oh shit, what happened to him? Ah, he hurt his knee. No, he's okay. That was kind of a nice moment because you want Reggie Bullock out there because he does such a good job for the Mavs. But Jesus, Dinwiddie, Bullock, Kleber, 1 of 13 between them. 
That's a lot of spots. Old mate, no mates. 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 Oh, it's got to be Joel Embiid. Because, I mean, the MVP talk, it's like, I don't, he talked about it after the game. He's like, yeah, yeah, it sort of sucks. And, like, I wanted to win it. What can you do? We've known about it for a little while, ever since the straw poll. And, uh, whatever. And then, but people dumping on him going, oh, he looks, he looks tired and distracted. And he looks like he's sapped of energy. He's probably sad about the MVP. Yeah, he probably is. I don't think that's got much to do with his performance. And to say that it does is completely discounting like the three fucking injuries the big dude's carrying. Like, that's insane. On top of that, though, I found it fascinating that Joel Embiid went in on uh, Bill Simmons, right? Like, talking about the Jalen Green, the fuck Jalen Green uh, thing about rookie, the all-rookie selections. And Embiid, even having, like, that in his mind, that is actually a little bit of a warning to me where it's like, dude... Don't be worrying about the fucking voting makeup of, like, the people who are putting together the MVP ballots. Like, if it was up to the fucking players, like, JaVale McGee would get two votes from his fucking teammates. Let's just fucking all chill out. But, yeah, to be dropping that back in there makes you go, huh. You have thought about it a bit, haven't you? But uh, the old mate, no mate's vibe was very much like Embiid. So talking about the MVP thing, he's a bit sad about that. That's fine. Everybody dumping on him about it. It was fucking weird. But then he's definitely old mate, no mates, because he's literally pointing out how he's got no mates. Because after the game, he talks about it. He's like, well, you know, for me, it's a lose-lose situation. If I don't get, if I don't play, I get called soft. If I play and I don't play well, I get called a bunch of other stuff. And it's like, oh, Joe, I did, sorry. Do you want some tissues? I'm just checking because, oh, man, it's, it's a lose-lose situation if you, yeah. I mean, yeah, playing through pain. Like, it's fucked. And I think that's kind of my problem with people dumping on him, going, oh, he's very clearly thinking about the MVP stuff. It's like, it it is literally actually a lose-lose situation for Embiid at this point. I agree with him on that. And, yeah, we should give him his tissues to have a bit of a sook about it. But at the same time, he's fucking right. Like, the dude is carrying a bunch of injuries and then, like, Charles Barkley and go like, oh, no. He's thinking about how he didn't win the MVP. What an idiot. <laughs> It's a bit fucking weird. So Embiid is literally in a lose-lose situation, so he's old mate, no mates. Pantsing of the night. Ah, uh, pantsing of the night. Uh, the refs. Oh, God. So there was that moment, I think, uh, was it Dorian Finney-Smith got Devin Booker? Devin Booker laid down and looked hurt just long enough uh, for the refs to go, oh, we better take a look at this or the replay. Then he hopped up and he was smiling. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Dorian Finney-Smith cops a flagrant one. And you're like, dudes. And then they're trying to justify it. It's like, oh, he, he found him a little too hard. Yeah, there was some wind-up. It's like, fucking what? It's going at him. Fuck off. Jesus. I've yelled about this time and time again. But the refs got got and got pants by Devin Booker. And so did Dorian Finney-Smith uh, getting copped with the flagrant one. And I'll tell you what, panting of the night, Marquise Chris. There was a bit of uh, argy-bargy at the end of Suns-Mavs where Marquise Chris and uh, Ish Wainwright are kind of like getting into a little bit and uh, Wainwright leaves the floor. They both get tossed because the refs are like, who the fuck are you idiots? Shut up. You're both out of here. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> if the refs had that short of a fuse, Draymond Green would play four minutes a game. Uh, but they go 
running off into their uh, respective locker rooms. Only Marquise Chris has pantsed himself by being literally one of the single lowest basketball IQ players you'll ever see play basketball. So he and Hassan Whiteside. Uh, Marquise Chris doesn't know what locker room he's in, so he runs off to the wrong one. And they're like, oh, he's trying to start shit. It's like, no, no, no. He just doesn't know where the fuck he is. <laughs> That's a bit of a pantser. Uh, I think I tweeted that one out, didn't I? I was like, yeah, if you've ever watched him play, you'll go, this guy doesn't know, huh? He's like wildly athletic, but has zero clue as to how to play basketball. It's amazing. Uh, finally, better than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you don't get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now I can be average. He's coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. I got to give this to Struess and Gabe Vincent. A couple of dudes. Uh, I mean, Struess, undrafted. I mean, Gabe Vincent, undrafted and out there playing better than Lonzo Ball in the second round of the playoffs. Struess was awesome today. He had 19 and 10 to go with an assist. Only one turnover, shoots 7 of 13 from the floor, 4 of 10 from downtown, and Gabe Vincent drops in 15, 5 and 2 with a steal. 5 of 7 shooting for him, 4 of 4 at the line. They're just solid. I'm going to talk about that again in a second, but goddamn, today both better than uh, Lonzo Ball. They're both second-year players, I think, as well, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, Great job. Struess and Vincent, love them. And uh, quick spoiler alert for uh, Dickhead of the Week. Kyrie on Twitch uh, streaming Grand Theft Auto and, like, like trolling trolls. Oh, my God. It's like, Kyrie, what a fuckwit. Yeah, we'll talk about that on Friday, but Jesus. Yeah, Nas, right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And 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 you're listening to NBA Australia. This is Mianaz, brought to you by the NBA Australia Shop. Get your merch, get your merch. Come on, Lonzo. Demo. Get your merch, get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch, get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch. Yeah, go do it. Get your merch, get your merch. Uh, get it from nbaaustralia.com slash shop or click on any of the links in our socials, etc. Get a rose gold tee with all the nicknames. Get a logo, hoodie, or a t-shirt. Off you go. Go do it right now. Come on, support the uh, little podcast that could. Right, let's do some yeah nahs where we decide whether uh, something's more yeah or more nah. Number one, did no luck Kyle Lowry help the Heat? Yeah, nah, fuck yeah. Look, I mentioned it right at the top of that game wrap, but I think it helps make their uh, hierarchy just that much more navigable for dudes like Vincent and Struess. Like, gives them a little bit more of a green light rather than having to go, well, Jimmy Butler doesn't have it. Kyle Lowry doesn't have it. I think I get to shoot this. Now it's like Butler's setting us all up or Bam setting us up and, like, we just have to play our normal game. And I kind of think that's big. Like, Struis and Vincent also, like, out there for their defense, out there for their shooting. Like, without having to wait for a busted up, broken down very clearly still injured Kyle Lowry. Like, it makes a huge difference for those dudes. Because when you're playing with someone carrying in an injury, like, it's on your mind as a team, 
and you're sort of watching him from the sidelines, you're watching him on the court, you're like, this dude's fucked. Ah, now i got to cover for him. So, yeah, definitely not having him out there helped the Heat today. And basically gave the Heat a more streamlined structure, if that makes sense, right? They just go, right, the pecking order is Butler, Bam, Hero, and then all you guys in some order. (laughs) Duncan Robinson's back. We're going to play here for a little bit. Good on him. And there we go. It made sense. Uh, speaking of which, were you stoked that Spo brought Duncan Robinson back, Jimmy? Yeah, nah. I mean, yeah. It's like Spo after game four was like, fuck, man. We didn't shoot very well on threes. And I see Duncan Robinson like, shit, I should have played him. It's like, yeah, Spo, you probably should have. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, Duncan, I keep saying it's like, he's not the answer to all your problems because he's so fucking streaky. And this year, he's been so up and down and inconsistent. Like today, he goes one of three in his triples. Plays 14 minutes, you're like, all right, that's kind of neat. But I don't know, I feel like just more the threat of him out there versus Victor Oladipo uh, from downtown makes like the Sixers just think about him a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, was it weird that they kept talking about Embiid having the MVP on his mind? Yeah, nah, yeah. I mean, it's so weird. And I don't know, like, is it because Joel Embiid is very clearly a guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve a lot of the time? And it feels like other former players, etc., need to kind of keep bringing it up or dunking on it. And that uh, broadcast crew from the first game, I think it was Spiriditas, just had nothing else to really talk about. It's like, what the f- Huh? Dudes, like, talk about the game. Like, it's like, he's not like he's out there going, oh, I can't believe I didn't win MVP. I don't even want to play this game. I think it was 100%. I played two games at home with a busted fucking face a busted fucking hand, a sore knee and a sore back. I then got on a plane, slept in a hotel for the first time in a couple of weeks. It's all a bit fucking weird and I don't feel right. (laughs) Because that's like the underreported vibe of this, right? Like, so Embiid obviously doesn't travel to Miami for games one and two. He stays at home till he can feel a bit okay. And, uh, you know, dealing with a concussion gets over that seemingly. Uh, still got the orbital bone fracture. He's got a broken fucking eye socket. And so now he's suddenly having to travel, sleep in a weird spot, not in his house. And uh, skadoosh, it's all a bit funky. So I think that's got a little bit more to do with it rather than, oh, I didn't win MVP. I'm sad. <laughs> it's fucking strange. And uh, two more. Uh, Cronin in Portland. Yeah, nah. So I sent this one over to PDX Pete. He's like, I'm so angry. <laughs> because he's the book cleaner, Joe Cronin. Um, I want to say, yeah, nah, look, he might be fine. Yeah. And he's the book cleaner. Because it feels very much like the Blazers are being set up to be sold. Uh, obviously, Paul Allen's sister in charge of that process. Uh, they bring in Joe Cronin after firing Neil O'Shea. He clears the books. Oh, we've got a sick trade exception. Awesome. He also traded away Norm Powell, Robert Covington, Larry Nance Jr., and CJ McCollum for a grand total of two second-round picks, Josh Hart, Justice Winslow, a cooked Eric Bledsoe, Joe Ingles' rehab costs and, like, expiring, and Keon Johnson. Oh, we cleared lots of salary cap. Awesome. And every player who watched the fucking, like, Blazers this year stink it up and be like, yeah, cool, they're rebuilding. I'm not going to go sign there. 
Best of luck. Seriously, like even in order to sign Zachy Cakes, Adam Levine, they can only keep uh, one of Josh Hart or um, Anthony Penny Simons, right? And their first rounder. They'd have to announce either, they'd have to announce the rights to whichever one of the Josh Hart or Anthony Simons they don't keep. They've got to renounce Nurk, Ingalls, Bledsoe, and the trade exceptions, and their mid-level exception. Like, it's fucking weird. But I think the thing that pissed me off about Portland, and if I was a Blazers fan, I'd be much angrier about this, was that they didn't actually search for a GM. They sort of just went, well, Joe's done a good job. We'll just keep him. It's not, like, you don't legally have to keep him. (laughs) Like, he's the interim GM. He made some trades for you. It doesn't mean you have to keep him. Maybe just have a bit of a search, hear out some other people and what their views might be on the situation and what they might do. Then you look at what Joe's uh, plan was and then make a decision just to not even search is fucking strange to me, you know? But obviously it very much feels like he's their guy. He's Chauncey Billups' guy. He's Dame Lillard's guy. He's uh, the, what is it, Vulcan, I think, runs the Blazers at the moment. Their guy. And it's like just... Cut as much seller as we can. Keep Dame so we can sell the team. And off we go. Bit weird. And also, speaking of selling the team, is it a bit weird that after a down year, everyone's like, oh, are you going to sell the Lakers, Genie? Yeah, nah, fuck yes. They won a title two years ago. For as much shit as we want to give them, Mickey Mouse title. Uh, the Disney Participation Trophy Award title. <laughs> I mean, they won the title. Like, where's the grace period? Makes no damn sense. Uh, I mean, she came out, she's like, yeah. I'm fucking wildly disappointed that we're this far in the luxury tax. We're playing the fourth highest like salary in the league and we didn't even make the fucking playoffs. Yeah, I'm pissed because that's also the weird thing about the Lakers, right? They're basically a family-run business. They don't have like the giant uh, other corporate revenue streams of other places. And it's like, oh, what do you think about selling? It's like, we won the title. Fuck off. It's fucking strange. All right, I'm popular opinion of the day. Uh, two things. Are we? I think it's weird that we kind of uh, everyone and I. I'm completely guilty of this myself. I picked the two underdogs for today, thinking that they'd actually make games of it. I think I still picked the uh, Suns to win, but in a close one. And I picked that uh, Embiid would be sort of on fire in Miami. I was wrong with that one. And I think the weirdest part of like the way we've been talking about these playoffs is that we're it's staring us right in the fucking face, like. I talked about this the other day. Home court is back. Like, you've got raucous crowds. You've got teams that are sort of slipping back into their sort of usual two years' worth of pandemic habits, but they also have the fired upness of the home crowd. And home court matters again. Like, I've hit on this, and I should have taken my own advice today, but goddamn, I'll tell you what. And also, the unpopular opinion of the day is, I think you can go both ways on the Embiid thing, right? Like, you can say, Embiid, stop talking about the MVP stuff. But at the same time, yeah, he is in a lose-lose situation. I think that was my uh, unpopular opinion. So, Right, what about the Outback Takeouts, though? It's Wednesday at Outback, and you know what that means? Oh, yeah. I just ran over an emu, so guess what you're eating? Alice Springs Chicken, only at Outback. Oh, this one's been in the freezer for a little while, I'll tell you that much, but this bird might be a bit gamey, but there's some pretty big fucking Alice Springs chicken wings, you know what I'm saying? Only at Outback. 
goes great with today's flame draw take, which is Adam Silver enlisted DJ Khaled to make sure that James Harden got no sleep last night and took George Niang out as well, just to put them all off their game to ensure that once they get back to Philly, they can rig the Sixers game and make sure this series goes seven. Only at Outback. Puppet master Adam Silver with DJ Khaled. It was fucking weird that DJ Khaled's there throwing the ball inbounds and, like, basically being Drake, but in Miami. He's, like, giving fucking Spo, like, taps on the back. It's like, DJ Khaled, you performed at the fucking All-Star game, mate. Unlike the Saturday. <laughs> Settle down, bro. All right, Australian Player Watch right after this. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, Australian player watch, Aussie Matty T. Rough game five for all the sixes. Uh, a minus 15 for uh, Matty T in his 11 minutes today. One or two shooting, both of which are from downtown. So he ends up with three points and one assist. Got beat pretty badly on uh, a couple of defensive possessions as well. But it felt like there was a lot of miscommunication out there for the sixes. I don't know if any of them slept. DJ Khaled might have taken the entire team out. And uh, Josh Greeny Green got out there for five minutes of garbage green time today. Oh, of two shooting. At the free throw line, which broke my fucking heart right at the end. Uh, so for zero points for Greeny, but one rebound. And in those five minutes of garbage time, there was still somehow a minus 11. Oof. All right. But it's okay. They'll bounce back. They'll be fine. Let's do a great moment in NBA Australia stat history, though. Shall we? This is a great one. Great moments in NBA Australia stat history. Let me set the scene. A doctor's office in New York City. Oh, yeah, g'day. I've got an appointment. Oh, sure thing. What's the name? Uh, it's booked under Mr. Deli's Allege, uh, but the name is actually James. Uh, sure thing. Take a seat, Mr. Deli's Allege, and fill out this paperwork. Me. Absolutely beaming. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. Different nurse poking her head out the door. Mr. Deli's Allege. Me grinning like a lunatic. Yep, that's me. Come through. The doctor's ready to see you now. Ripper reader. I go through the uh, nicely appointed doctor's office. The doctor says, Hi there. Take a seat, Mr. Deli's Allege. Me, now grinning uncontrollably. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So what seems to be the problem? Well, Doc, I don't know, but I've got this real case of anxiety kind of always following me, eh? Oh, really? And how long has this been going on? Oh, uh, I'd say about, I don't know, seven years to this very day, in fact. Really? That's very interesting. Why did this day seven years ago? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Doc. See? Because it was on this day seven years ago that the best point guard in the NBA put on a show for the ages in the playoffs and became a dead set legend in the process. Oh, and why would that cause you any anxiety? Well, let me ask you something there, Doc. How much do you know about how much do you know about basketball there? Well, of course, I'm a next season ticket holder. Oh, fucking gross, mate. I'm sorry? I said, uh, nothing. Don't worry about it. Ah, but at the same time, the fact that you don't know that this date is part of my anxiety, eh? Well, how's that? Well, you know how I was talking about the best point guard in the NBA? Yeah, I assumed that you were talking about Chris Paul or something. What did you fucking say, Doc? Uh, Well, I said Chris Paul or, like, Steph Curry. Doc, you and I got some real problems to work out here. And you haven't said the name of the best point guard from the NBA of all time yet, either. Oh, really? Who is it, then? 
Look, see, this is really what gets me about you, Yanks, Doc. Like, this date should be etched in the NBA calendar as a day for celebration and feasting and smashing Corona titties. I'm, I don't follow. <laughs> I mean, clearly, like, you're a Knicks fan. Your team, buddy, started Jarrett Jack a point guard, like, back in the same year, right? So, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But seriously, Doc, like, do you know Delhi? Delhi? Yeah, Delhi. No. Who's Delhi? Well, Delhi is King Delhi of Maribara. First of his name, gatherer of loose balls, smasher of tins. Nothing, Doc. All right, look, he's Outback Jesus. He's the best point guard the NBA ever saw. Okay, look, I'm not sure what this is all about. It's about my anxiety, Doc. Just fucking settle down. And you say it started seven years ago? Yeah, look, now you're on it, Doc. So, you know what happened then? Uh, Was it a traumatic experience? What? No, for an egghead, Doc, you're not great at comprehension, are you? Fucking hell, mate. Hey, look, hey, sir, sir, look, no, 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 Doc, sir, for you, look, it was far from traumatic. In fact, it was the exact opposite, right? Okay, so what was it then, sir? Well, on this very day seven years ago, Delhi, Matthew Delavidova, the best point guard the NBA has ever seen, single-handedly ended the Derrick Rose era in Chicago. Derrick Rose, he was once a Nick, and he still is. Sure, sure thing, Doc. He also bailed on his team without telling, telling anybody. He was an accused rapist and a bit of a flog, but that's fine. Anyway, Delhi goes into this closeout game against the Chicago Bulls in the second round of the 2015 playoffs. And he straight up fucking smokes him like he's my mate Daz in year 11, Punching canes with a homemade billy at the back of the Ballarat High bike sheds. Daz? Is he Delhi? Jesus, Doc. No, keep up. S- sorry. So Delhi goes into the Chicago and he leads all the Cavs scorer. That's all the Cavs scorers. Includes Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, Doc. And he gets into a 4-2 series win and the Eastern Conference Finals by scoring 19 points on 7-11 shooting, including 3-6 from downtown. Oh, is that pretty good? Uh, Doc, it's pretty fucking good. Mate, a late-night 7-Eleven pie is pretty good. This showing was like a late-night fucking super from Stalactites. Bloody spectacular, mate. Uh, what's Stalactites? Fucking Doc, I don't have time to explain. Look, I don't have time for dumb questions. If you don't know the world's greatest restaurant or the NBA's greatest ever point guard, look, I'm not sure if I can help you. I mean, what, 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 are, you, what are you talking about? All right, settle down there, Doc. Come on, mate. Look, while LeBron's crapping the bed with some Kobe S7-23 shooting, Delhi comes off the bench, carries the Cavs to the win in the second round. With a then postseason career high, 19 points, two rebounds, and one assist. And playoff Dally was born. And I reckon that's where my anxiety comes from, Doc. That no one realizes that Dally bloody well single handedly saved the Cavs in 2015, seven years ago. Wow, that is pretty damn impressive. I had no idea. I'll have to remember that and tell all my friends. Oh, fuck. There you go. That's good, Doc. I think you might have just killed me. What? Me vanishes in a puff of smoke that smells like the Saturday morning sausage sizzle at the Maribara Cremiri Mitre 10. On your playoff, Dally. That's right. Seven years ago, the second round, Dally closes out Chicago with a playoff career high 19. Absolutely amazing vibes. Absolutely fucking love that one. Right, let's do the Patty Mills Game Day Baller Game Day Twitter check-in. Well, that was a ride, wasn't it? I didn't even proofread that one before I went into it. I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> that was off the top of my fucking head. So, uh, good job by me. I might be the world's greatest actor. <laughs> uh, Calvin Birch tweeted out, what country is Joe Ingles in today? Jingle said, I'm in the States. Portland. Love it. And before that, he tweeted out, coffee emoji, coffee emoji, coffee emoji. I'm stoked on that. Let's fucking go. Jingle and Joe Ingles. Getting stuck into that awesome Portland coffee. Right, let's do some game previews and picks for tomorrow. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks, an inverting bane. How's it all going? Oh, not bad, Jimmy. Did you just flip that around on me? Yes, I did. <laughs> it was great. Are you excited for uh, Jack Jumpers and Kings tonight, to Inadvertent Bane? 
Yes, I am, Jimmy. I can't wait to see how the NBL finals go. Yeah, me too. Gotta go find a pub. Go drink some beers, watch some basketball. Uh, 0 of 2 on today's picks, obviously. Uh, went for both the underdogs, and they both got fucking smashed. Might have been my worst pick day in ages. Uh, 31 of 63 for the playoffs we are now. Tomorrow's game fives, though. Right. So, having seen the home teams come out and kick some ass, take some names, Boston hosting Milwaukee and Memphis hosting Golden State. What do you reckon is going to happen here? Boston are five and a half point favorites against Milwaukee tomorrow. And I think I'm going to land with Boston in this one. I think the way that they beat Milwaukee in game four in Milwaukee just gave them a boost. Like the way that Tatum sort of figured it out just a little bit and they were carried by the shittingest Smart and Co. I think that's the sort of thing that carries on when you're the home team again and it just gets them over the hump. The five and a half point line is probably a couple too high for my uh, liking. I would have much preferred this if it was like minus two and a half, minus three and a half. But I think the Celtics can, uh, I think defensively at home, you'll see them bring it. And if the offense clicks just that little bit more, I think Boston's upside at home in game five, coming off the back of that game four, it's much higher upside than Milwaukee, who Drew Holiday shot like crap. Giannis shot like crap. Their role players shot like crap. But that was also at home. So to expect that to turn around on the road in a game five in Boston, even if Giannis comes out and goes absolute fucking world destructor vibes, I still think Boston can get over the top of that. So give me Boston minus four and a half. And then Golden State going to Memphis to close out the series because of Dylan Brooks. Not just all Dylan Brooks, but mostly Dylan Brooks. Uh, And obviously without Ja Morant, at least with him being doubtful, it's also one of those ones where you go, Ja Morant listed as doubtful for the rest of the playoffs. Like, I wouldn't be wildly surprised if they then turned around and went, well, he gave up pretty good this morning. We're going to see how he goes for game five. It's a must win. Uh, but I'm taking the Warriors minus four and a half. So we've gone from underdog Wednesday <laughs> to favorites uh, Thursday. And look, game fives, the home team winning percentage is like 79% or something crazy. So... The Grizzlies would be on a pretty good tip here, but the fact that the Warriors can smell blood in the water, they're up 3-1. This is the closeout. It feels very, very much like the Warriors will come in and Steph will just break some fucking hearts and the Warriors will win it. Like, Clay shot, like, absolute fucking trash yesterday as well. Like, for all the fucking onus I put on Dylan Brooks yesterday, like, Clay Thompson was almost as bad. Like, he was egregiously bad shooting-wise, but Dylan Brooks just also had the, I'm going to kick the ball into the stands now moments. But, um... For the Warriors, I think the bounce back is there. Like, to win that game after not leading until the 45-second mark of the fourth quarter, there's 45 seconds left in that game. They finally lead. I think they can go into Memphis and win game five. So I'm going to take the Warriors minus four and a half. That'll be fun as shit. So there you go. Oh, actually, should we do an NBL pick? Jimmy, pull it back. Pull it back. There you go. Let's do an NBL pick for uh, tonight. That's going to be fun. Uh, NBL, where's basketball? Australian basketball. All right, so the grand final series, you got the Kings, you got the Tassie Jack Jumpers. Tassie are a seven and a half point underdog in Sydney tonight. I'm going to have to go Tassie plus seven and a half because there's so much fight in that team. Uh, we have seen them obviously just sort of uh, get out executed by Sydney. 
And but Sydney without their MVP, I reckon Tassie can put up a bit of a fight. I think Sydney might still win it, but I think the Tassie jack jumpers still cover the seven and a half. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hashtag MBL Australia. All right, that's it for today. Uh, no skit at the end of this one, I just mentioned, because my throat is uh, ragged here again. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow to wrap up those games for you. Can't wait. What do you reckon? Can we see the end of uh, one series? Warriors, Grizzlies, it could be happening. Anyway, uh, right. So check out NBA Australia on Twitter, Face the IG, rule over the socials. Check out NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. Should be recording a big NFL off-season wrap soon. Uh, World Wrestling Australia with Adam. Go check that out on YouTube and FWCIE on Twitter. NBAstraya.com slash shop. Get your merch, get your merch. Uh, check us a rating review on your podcast app. Go on, do that. Knowable. Download that. Bang in the code Australia. Get 20% off. A big thanks always go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. And uh, the other bands, Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinated, Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Shadow, Green, 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 and Dozers. They're behind all the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify. Have a, however, you listen to your tunes, follow your bands, do so. They're all legends. All right, uh, no skit as mentioned. We'll have a diary of Stephen Adams, I reckon, in tomorrow's show. If only because he called a reporter a wanker today, which I fucking love. Well, uh, yesterday, after yesterday's game. Did you just call me fat, bro? No, I said fit. Oh, okay, bro. <laughs> Can't wait for that one. All right, we'll catch you tomorrow, you legends. Look after yourselves, would you? This is NBA Australia saying, late Ozen. I don't agree with the part about me being horny all hours of the day. It's a few hours in the day, yes, but not all hours of the day. I digress.